Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and happy you're with us again or for the first time as the case may be. We are dedicated to uh, shedding some light on some of the cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history and some themes and, and uh, connecting material that uh, whatever comes to my mind at any point, I try to put a program together on it. And today we're going to be talking about the hot trumpets of New Orleans. Uh, I did a program on the hot clarinets of Chicago and the hot clarinets of uh, New York and hot trumpets in general. And all of these were uh, recordings that were made by a clarinet or a trumpet with just a rhythm section. So it really features the uh, performer without uh, any other horns around it. You really get a, a, a good idea of the style of that particular performer. So we're focusing today on some trumpet players who were born in and active in New, uh, New Orleans uh, in the early days of jazz. Some of them left and uh, made these recordings elsewhere, but they all uh, represented the style of New Orleans jazz to one degree or another. So we're going to start with a fellow named Punch Miller. Now I did a uh, uh, another podcast on Punch Miller that you may have heard. I think it uh, might even be coming out in the same series as this one. He was a, uh, a trumpet player who was born in Raceland, Louisiana in the 1890s. I think it was about 1894. And uh, he was kind of uh, footloose and fancy free. He uh, toured in some circus bands and uh, worked, uh, well, he actually served in the Army in World War I. He was a bugler, if we believe the legend. And then he came back to New Orleans. He was around in the 1920s. He played in some bands. Uh, he was an African-American trumpet player who was similar in style to Louis Armstrong, although he was a little bit older than Louis was. Um, he started making recordings in New Orleans with uh, Billy and Mary Mack of Vaudeville Blues Duo in the 1920s, 1924, and um, made his way to Chicago by the uh, late 1920s. And he recorded with quite a few bands uh, in Chicago at the time. He recorded with Tiny Parham's band, Al Wynn, Frankie Hatpine Jackson, a lot of different musicians. And uh, he never really had a long-term engagement with any famous band. He was a little bit unpredictable. He was an alcoholic, and I guess he was kind of flighty or uh, temperamental in some ways, but he was an excellent player. He spent most of the 30s playing in Chicago in blues bands, in rhythm and blues bands. Made a lot of recordings with Big Bill Brunzi, um, I think some with Tampa Red, he made some with the Harlem Hamfats, and uh, we're going to hear a couple of recordings he did informally with a trio in 1941, January 28, 1941, at the H&T Tavern in Chicago. This was getting to the end of his period in Chicago. He left uh, for New York in about 1946 or so. Uh, he was featured on the This Is Jazz program, Rudy Blush's program, their first broadcast, made a number of recordings, uh, one of which we're going to hear with some of the uh, This Is Jazz uh, players, and uh, jobbed around in New York for a few years. Then he went on tour. He toured with some circus bands and with some rock and roll reviews, all sorts of different things in the 50s before he ended up returning to New Orleans in 1956. One of the sources says that he uh, thought he was returning to die, but he wasn't in any rush apparently because he lived another 15 years and recorded quite frequently in New Orleans. And there was a wonderful documentary made about his life right uh, not too long before he died called Till the Butcher Cut Him Down. If you can find that online, that's well worth watching. So we're going to hear two tunes right now from that live 1941 session. This is Punch Miller's band, so-called. Punch on trumpet and vocal. Someone named Harris on piano. I don't know if it's Ace Harris or not. Um, and Clifford Snag Jones, Snags Jones on drums. Piano, drums, and trumpet. And we're going to hear Chinatown, My Chinatown, done in the style of Louis Armstrong, even quoting him uh, quite extensively. And we're going to hear High Society, an unusual trio version of a New Orleans marching band and jazz standard. Then we're going to go to the New York Sessions, December 30th of 1947. 
We're going to hear uh, Punch playing in a duo with Ralph Sutton, uh, who was playing piano on the This Is Jazz broadcast, uh, 1947 recording for Savoy. And this is called The Informal Blues, and uh, uh, sometimes subtitled Snagit, because it did have some things to do with Snagit, the tune that we know by that title. After that, we're going to hear a kind of a crunchy-sounding recording, unfortunately, but a very interesting one. Um, this was made, uh, I believe, in 1954 uh, by Samuel Charters, the uh, New Orleans uh, jazz ethnographer, I guess you'd have to call him. He brought a recording device to Biloxi, Mississippi, and according to the notes, was literally standing outside a window uh, of an African-American club during a dance and recorded this band. This band features a trumpet player named Isaiah Morgan, who is one of the famous Morgan family in New Orleans. He is on those recordings uh, that were led by his brother, Sam Morgan, in 1927, the Sam Morgan Jazz Band. Sam was the... Uh, uh, I think he was the second trumpeter, and Isaiah was the first trumpet player. And Isaiah continued playing in New Orleans and, and different places during the 1930s. I think he ended up living in Biloxi uh, in the 1940s. And we're going to hear him play Rosetta uh, with Willie O'Connell on guitar, Freddie Land on piano, and Alvin Woods on drums. Again, kind of a... Uh, a rough-sounding recording, uh, given the circumstances. It was recorded at a club called the Fleur de Lis in Biloxi, Mississippi. Then we're going to finish up with a, uh, finish up that set anyway, with another trumpet player, Avery Kid Howard. And Kid Howard was the trumpet player who replaced Bunk Johnson in his own band in the 1940s. When Bunk got tired of the New Orleans musicians he had been recording with initially, like Jim Robinson and uh, George Lewis, he left for New York. But Kid Howard took over, and he was a mainstay in the George Lewis band for a number of years. This is a recording that he did with a uh, quartet in 19. 38. We're going to hear a short version of the St. Louis Blues. Actually, it's a duo on this recording. Uh, there's some other recordings where he had a larger band. So it's Kid Howard on trumpet and Frank Murray on guitar from 1938. So those are our tunes in the first set. Punch Miller doing Chinatown, High Society, and the Informal Blues. Isaiah Morgan doing Rosetta. And Avery Kid Howard doing the St. Louis Blues.
we have a nice cross-section of New Orleans trumpet players. We ended up with a little-known track by uh, Avery Kid Howard. This came out with a couple of others on a CD called Prelude to the Revival, Volume 1 on American Music. And that was just him uh, on trumpet, Avery Howard, Kid Howard, and Frank Murray on guitar, recorded in 1938 someplace in New Orleans. And that was at a time when New Orleans uh, music, or jazz in general in New Orleans, was at a pretty low ebb. A lot of uh, of the greatest jazz stars of New Orleans, particularly African-Americans, had left town uh, the decade earlier, and the performers that we think of as, as, as key members of the revival period, George Lewis and Bunk Johnson and so forth, hadn't really gotten started yet, or they were virtually unemployed at the time. So it's good to have some, some music from that period, and that was Avery Kid Howard. Before that, we had a much less known trumpet player named uh, Isaiah Morgan. And Isaiah Morgan, uh, as I said, was one of the Morgan family. Uh, Sam Morgan and he were trumpet players. Al Morgan was a bass player. Um, Andrew Morgan was a reed player who went on to play saxophone and clarinet in a lot of traditional jazz bands in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. But Isaiah had relocated to Biloxi, Mississippi, and uh, was playing occasionally and playing very well. Um, the session that uh, Sam Charters recorded at the Fleur de Lis Club in 1954 uh, shows him in really good form. He did a ballad feature on uh, Stardust. He even did uh, a, a sort of a rock and roll number on... Um, uh, Bunny Hop, and a few other things too. But we heard Rosetta, which was a good straight-ahead jazz performance. So we started out with Punch Miller, and we started with two tracks from the um, H&T Club in um, Chicago in 1941, featuring someone named Harris on piano, um, Clifford Snags Jones on drums, and Punch Miller on trumpet and vocal. And we heard Chinatown, My Chinatown, done a la Louis Armstrong, and then High Society, and as I said, an unusual trio version of that tune. And then we uh, nestled in the middle of all of that, the Informal Blues, a, a very effective duet for Savoy Records in 1947 with uh, Ralph Sutton on piano and Punch Miller on trumpet. So we're going to go on to a couple of other trumpet players now. We're going to hear another kind of scratchy recording, and after that we'll be getting better with the fidelity. Um, this is a trumpet player who uh, was active in New Orleans and recorded a couple of times in the 1920s. His name was Lee Collins, and he was a contemporary, slightly younger contemporary of Louis Armstrong. Uh, he was considered one of the best trumpet players in New Orleans after Louis left in 1922-23. Uh, that generation was... Uh, uh, Lee Collins and Guy Kelly and uh, Herb Morand and Buddy Petit and people like that. And Lee Collins went to um, Chicago initially, I believe, to play with the King Oliver Band after Louis left in the later part of the 1920s. He also uh, went to New York. He recorded with uh, quite a few different bands. He ended up back in Chicago. He never really latched on to a, a famous band full-time. He was not uh, a good reading musician, I don't think, so he didn't uh, do too well playing in big bands, but he was still playing in combos all the way up into the 50s and 60s and made some very good recordings. This was a, uh, a live recording from the Victory Club in Chicago in the summer of 1951, and uh, the song we heard was a pop tune from the day called If You Were Mine. Um, joining Lee Collins on trumpet at that point was... Uh, a fellow named Bill Nose Thompson, N-O-S-E Thompson on piano, and we heard Andrew Anderson Saucier on drums. So that little trio made that uh, neat recording, If You Were Mine, very well done. 
And that's what we're going to start the next set with, if I didn't say that. So that's what we're going to start the next set with. And then we're going to go on to somebody a good deal better known. We're going to go to Louis Armstrong. And um, I was thinking of playing some of the tunes uh, that he recorded in the 1920s, but most of these things we're doing now are from the 40s or 50s. And uh, finding a, uh, some Louis uh, without a front line around him is tricky. Of course, he did those wonderful recordings with Oscar Peterson in the in the 1960s, probably some of Louis' greatest latter-day playing. But I decided to take something a little bit earlier. Two duos that he recorded uh, at Town Hall on May 17, 1947. This is generally given as the birthday of the Louis Armstrong All-Stars. He had uh, uh, more or less uh, put the big band on notice that he had been leading for um, 20 years or so, uh, and was going back to a small group. He had appeared in the movie New Orleans, and uh, that had kind of whetted his appetite and shown him and his manager that uh, small group New Orleans-style jazz was a very marketable commodity in 1947. So this was a kind of a retrospective of Louis' career in May of 1947, and he recorded uh, two tunes, or actually he recorded four or five tunes, as a matter of fact, that were uh, just duos, or rather just trumpet and piano. We're going to start with uh, the classic cornet chop suey. Why they decided to do this with just the rhythm section, I don't know, since it was a band tune, but it's very effective. It really kind of brings that tune back to its roots as a cornet show piece. Uh, Louis said he had um, written that as with you know someone like Herbert L. Clark in mind, one of those cornet virtuosi from the, from the uh, early part of the 20th century. So we're going to hear with Louis on trumpet, Dick Carey on piano, Bob Haggard on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums. Then we're going to go to a real duo recording, Louis and Dick Carey, and they're going to play Dear Old Southland. And this is a recreation of the recording that Louis had done with Buck Washington in about 1930 or so, a whole showpiece recording. After that, we're going to go to uh, one of my particular favorite trumpet players from uh, the New Orleans Revival style, a man named John Wigington Hyman, otherwise known as Johnny Wiggs, and we played a couple of his recordings from the 1920s. He recorded a couple of things uh, under the name of the Bayou Stoppers, uh, his band uh, from about 1927. He was a, a, an interesting cornet player. He's the only uh, white cornet player we're featuring on this program, and he didn't really follow the Louis Armstrong model. He uh, was very fond of King Oliver, and he talked about following King Oliver out to Tulane University in the 1910s to a uh, a prom or, or something to hear him play, but really uh, the influence that we're going to hear is unmistakably Bix Spiderbeck. And uh, Wiggs said to the end of his life that he loved Bix's playing and that he sometimes could veer into that style without meaning to, uh, just at certain tempos and in certain keys. We're going to hear uh, two tunes, at least. If we have time, we may have to do another one, but we're going to do two tunes right now uh, by Johnny Wiggs. And the first one is called Dardanella which will be familiar to those of you who know the Bix recording with Paul Whiteman because Johnny Wiggs basically copies the Bix solo from that. And then we're going to go to another tune associated with Bix called Louisiana. And these tunes are, uh, he is backed, uh, Johnny Wiggs, by Armand Hug on piano. And I believe that's it. I think it's just the two of them for those recordings. If we, uh, if we find somebody else, I'll let you know uh, after this session. So, right now we're going to listen to if You Were Mine, Lee Collins, Louis Armstrong playing Cornet Chop Suey and Dear Old Southland, and Johnny Wiggs doing Dardanella and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. 
distinctly unusual uh, recordings there by some different cornet players. We started out with Lee Collins, live at the Victory Club in 1951, doing If You Were Mine, which is piano and drums. Not very well recorded, but shows him off very well. He had a, he had a good technique, and he had a sort of a dramatic sense that uh, not many of the, of the Armstrong followers really developed to that degree. Then we heard himself, Louis Armstrong, from Town Hall of May of 1947, doing Cornet Chop Suey and Dear Old Southland. And these were numbers that um, he probably had recorded or had been playing with the big band or, or in different arrangements over the years. But he returned uh, kind of to his late 20s roots uh, to re-record those numbers and uh, give that uh, aspect of his career, that element of his earlier career, a little airing on this, uh, this date at Town Hall. Then we ended up with Johnny Wiggs, very interesting cornet player uh, in the Bix Bidermeck mold. He was a, a teacher in New Orleans. I think he taught industrial arts, but he ran bands at his schools in the public system, and there were a number of uh, latter-day white musicians uh, who gave a lot of credit to Johnny Wiggs, people like Pete Fountain and Al Hurt and uh, some of that generation who uh, really respected him as a, as a teacher as well as a player. And so we heard those two recordings, Dardanella done with Just Arm and Hug on piano, and Louisiana with Hug, and I think Joe Capraro on guitar. And both of those are from either 1954 or 1955, recorded in New Orleans, I believe, for the Southland label. Uh, Joe Merez was the uh, head of that record company. His brother Paul Merez was the cornet player with the uh, New Orleans Rhythm Kings in the 1920s. So I think we have time to do one more Johnny Wiggs tune. Those are pretty short, and they're interesting enough. I'd like to, like to do one more. So we're going to do I'm Coming Virginia. Um, from one of those sessions, uh, live sessions in New Orleans. Uh, they weren't live, I think they were studio sessions for, um, for Southland. And uh, we'll hear Wiggs doing his Bix Beiderbeck, uh, I won't say imitation, but interpretation again. Then we're going to go to one of the hottest of all New Orleans trumpet players, Red Allen, Henry Red Allen. He was uh, born about 1900 in uh, New Orleans. His father, Red Allen Sr., was the leader of a brass band, and so Red Jr. came up through the, the ranks uh, learning the right way on how to play brass instruments. He was a pretty good reader. He was a good technician. He had uh, an iron lip. Uh, he didn't really play a lot of high notes uh, the way Louis did or Jabbo Smith or anybody like that, but he had a driving, very... Um, unusual style. He was to the trumpet almost what Pee Wee Russell was to clarinet. Of course, Red Allen was well known for playing in the Louis uh, Russell band of the late 1920s and into the 30s. He played in uh, the Louis Russell band backing Louis Armstrong, and Louis gave Red a number of solos uh, on every night and even on broadcasts and very, very occasionally on records as well. But Red was recording uh, on his own throughout the 1930s with his own small group, kind of like the Fats Waller rhythm. He would play pop tunes in a jazz style. He played with the Mills, Mills Blue Rhythm Band, with the Fletcher Henderson Band, uh, and then he eventually uh, went on his own out into 52nd Street and led uh, bands that sort of verged or, or ranged from New Orleans bands to rhythm and blues bands and back again. He was a great showman and a great band leader, and probably the pinnacle of his popularity came in the 1950s and 60s when he led the house band at the uh, Club Metropole in New York, a kind of a tourist hangout doing... Uh, uh, industrial Strength Dixieland with whoever was available at the time, although his bands, his regular bands that he recorded with included Buster Bailey and Herb Fleming, Claude Hopkins, sometimes even Coleman Hawkins. Uh, and we're going to probably do a podcast of some of those uh, 50s and 60s recordings that they made. Now, those are some pretty 
storming recordings, as you can imagine. But what we're going to hear today is a, a, a set of recordings that he did in uh, 1962, and this was a little bit unusual. He was only playing with a quartet, no other horns. He was uh, doing some gigs in New York at, at different uh, places with just a rhythm section, kind of on the heels of the muted jazz popularity that Jonah Jones had uh, with his uh, band at the Embers, and Jonah Jones had a lot of hit recordings with that group, and there were a number of other trumpet players, Buck Clayton and a couple of others who tried to follow in that uh, tradition, and Red Allen did as well. And so this band that he is with is uh, going to include Lanny Scott on piano, Franklin Skeet on bass, and Jerry Potter on drums. Not very well-known musicians, but uh, they were a working group with Allen at the time, and uh, this was recorded for Prestige, so good recording quality. And the three tunes I've picked uh, to represent Red Allen at this point are There's a House in Harlem for Sale, which he had recorded earlier in the 30s, um, the Biffley Blues, which was one of his own tunes. In fact, it was uh, the first tune that he recorded under his own name in 1929. And apparently, if we believe Red, Biffley was one of his nicknames as a boy. He was a baseball player, and uh, his parents called him Biffley Bam. So hence, Biffley and Biffley Blues came from that. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to finish up with a, uh, a kind of a showstopper, one that Red Allen recorded many times, and it's called Cherry. So those are our tunes for this set. We're going to have Johnny Wiggs doing I'm Coming, Virginia, and then Rat Allen and his quartet doing There's a House in Harlem for Sale, Biffley Blues, and Cherry.
Johnny Wiggs and I'm Coming Virginia, very Bix-like in there with Armand Hug, and also an un underrated uh, player. He never really left New Orleans. He was a, a, a homebody down there, and he played piano in a lot of local clubs and made a lot of recordings with uh, visiting and local musicians down there, Armand Hug. So following that, we went to that session with Red Allen, that great uh, quartet session, and heard there's a house in Harlem for sale, Biffley Blues, and Cherry, and uh, was treated to a Red Allen vocal on Cherry at the end of that as well. So that's our program on the Hot Trumpets of New Orleans and uh, some interesting stuff there. We usually think of New Orleans jazz as an ensemble music with a full front line, but these were players who really uh, were influenced to one degree or another by Louis Armstrong and by uh, the players uh, who really took jazz in another direction, away from the idea of an ensemble to more of a solo music. 
So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. I want to thank you for joining us. Hope you'd be interested in sponsoring us. We're looking for some sponsors. Uh, If you're listening to us on Anchor.fm, very easy. There are several levels of sponsorship. You can pick there. Um, Also, if you're on Spotify or Apple or one of the other um, platforms that uh, carry this program, uh, please take a look around. And uh, we'd love to add some more people to the family. So we're going to be doing lots of programs coming up. Uh, have lots of plans in mind. Also, some of the radio shows I've been doing for WETF in uh, South Bend, Indiana are being uploaded here. And so trying to get at least a couple on every week. So hope you're enjoying what we're doing. And come back and visit us again. Until then, I'll see you on the other side.